Welcome to CUCC's Sermons for Everyone. No matter who you are or where you find yourself on life's journey, we're glad you've tuned in, and we hope you find meaning in this week's sermon. Well, if you've been poking your head around this church for the past two years, you'll know that among other things, we've worked our way through the books of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, albeit briefly, and Numbers. Four of the first five books of the Bible. It's not bad, folks. And maybe, maybe you already knew this, but, but the first five books, they form a special collection of sorts within the larger library of the books that, that make up the Bible. Does anyone know what this collection of books is called? And Judaism refers to them as the Torah, the teachings, or the law, whereas Christian scholars often refer to them by a Greek name, the Pentateuch, meaning five books or five scrolls. Now, historically, the Talmud, an ancient Jewish commentary, attributes Moses with the authorship of all five books. However, now it is, it's a commonly held assumption that the Pentateuch is comprised of several different sources written and compiled over the course of centuries, and not necessarily a singular human author. Here's the thing. Regardless of the process it took to bring the, the Pentateuch into its final form, these ancient and sacred texts have been a source of inspiration, warning, worship, faithful reading for billions of people over the course of thousands of years. And so, we decided to take a closer look, to read, maybe not all of it, but certainly a lot of it. And now... As we did with Leviticus, we're going to move through Deuteronomy quickly. We're going to cover it in three weeks. Now, there is a lot in this book, as it's set up as Moses' farewell speech, his final sermon, you could say. We're going to break it up into three sections. This week, we'll consider his opening speech, chapters 1 through 11, right, which include one of the most famous Jewish prayers, the Shema. Next week... We'll scan through the middle section, chapters 12 through 26, which is Moses' summary and slight revision of, of the communal laws. And then finally, we'll sit down and hear Moses' parting words. We'll watch as he takes his final breath. And when the dust settles, we will have just finished the Pentateuch and can celebrate our work. <laughs> So let's dive in and consider the opening section, the book of Deuteronomy. Now this first section of Deuteronomy begins by setting the scene for the entire book. Moses is standing before the next generation of Israelites. You'll remember this massive community was forced to wander in the wilderness for 40 years, right? Just long enough for the entire generation who left Egypt and continued to complain and rebel against Moses and God. Well, just long enough for them to die. It's as Tess Hardison has said to me on a couple occasions, culture changes when the last one dies. <laughs> and so, 
Moses is standing in front of the kids of the Exodus, uh, right? The, the ones who fled Egypt with their parents and who are now grown adults and ready to enter the promised land. Now, as you might expect, the village elder, Moses, has some final words for them. He begins by telling the story of their parents and grandparents. He retraces their steps from Egypt to the Red Sea to Mount Sinai. He takes three entire chapters to essentially remind them how rebellious their parents were and how faithful God was to stick it out with them. And then his, his tone changes as the following eight chapters read more like a, a sermon or several mini-sermons. Right, in which Moses essentially calls them to do better, right, to be more faithful to the covenant, to love God and neighbor as if the promised land depended on it. Right in the center of this section, found in chapter 6, is the Shema. Hear now a reading from Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 to 8. Israel, listen. Our God is the Lord, only the Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your being, all your strength. These words that I'm commanding you today must always be on your minds. Recite them to your children. Talk about them when you're sitting around your house and when you're out and about, when you're lying down and when you're getting up. Tie them on, a, on your hand as a sign. Write them. They should be on your forehead as a symbol. Write them on your house's door frames and on your city's gates. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Listen, Israel, or in Hebrew, Shema Israel. The Shema, the listen prayer, that serves as the centerpiece of both Jewish morning and evening worship. Listen, Yahweh is God, Yahweh is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your being, and all your strength. I'm sure these words sound familiar as Jesus quotes them when he was asked what the greatest commandment is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your being, all your strength. Moses is saying, if, if you're going to be more faithful than the previous generation, if you're going to take hold of all the promises of the covenant, all the promises of God, if you're going to begin living into the good life of the Spirit, your love of God, right, your devotion to experiencing the divine in and among you, your spiritual sense of self must become more than just a club to belong to, a religion to subscribe to, or a, a service to occasionally go to. It must become integrated into your identity, into your heart, into your strength, your entire being. Come on, we know that's, that's no small thing to ask people to do. It's not a, a short journey or something that, that just happens overnight, and so... Moses offers more. Listen, Israel, 
Our God is the Lord, only the Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your being, all your strength. These words that I'm commanding you today must always be on your minds. Recite them to your children. Talk about them when you're sitting around the house, when you're out and about, when you're lying down, when you're getting up. Tie them on your hand as a sign. They should be on your forehead as a symbol. Write them on your house's door frames and on your city's gates. It's almost like Moses gets that without setting practical intentions, there is no way that our spiritual life could become or remain that integrated. And so Moses says, right, integrate your spirituality, your love of God into your heart, your strength, your being, and then integrate it into your daily life, into the, the physical world around you. He says, shoot, write it on your hand. Write it on your forehead. Put it on the door frames at your house, on, on the city gates of your towns. Wear it loud and proud so that every time you look in a mirror every time you enter a room every time you travel and every time you return well, you'll be reminded of the importance of your spiritual life and your connection to god it's like moses is saying for you to do better than the last generation for you to take hold of the promised land the good life your faith can't be a hobby your spiritual life can't be a second thought reserved for those special days that you want to feel extra enlightened. And, and thankfully, Moses is super practical about it. He doesn't say, go find a quiet garden and meditate day in and day out. He says, bring it into your world. Set up reminders throughout your house. Write notes on your hand. Keep little prayers in your pocket so that you can pull it out as a physical reminder of your spiritual identity. Whatever you need to do, just keep it in the forefront of your mind whenever you can. We keep going because this prayer, these words are not just meant to challenge the individual to develop their personal spiritual life. Baked into the Shema is a call to shape and form the next generation. Listen, Israel. Our God is the Lord, only the Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your being, all your strength. These words that I'm commanding you today must always be on your minds. Recite them to your children. Talk about them when you're sitting around your house and when you're out and about, when you're lying down and when you're getting up. Right? The, these words are not just for you. The promises of God do not stop with one generation. If the promised land is going to be a sustainable thing, then love of God has to become a, a naturally integrated part of our children's life, too. So in my, my 10 years of, of professional ministry, I've connected with hundreds of children, teenagers, and their families I've led and supervised several different styles and approaches to children and youth ministry. And I can tell you, the number one question that I get asked by parents over and over in one form or another is, how can the church ensure that our kids will continue their faith journey after leaving home? Right? What can the church be doing to encourage our children to go to church 
when they become adults. If you are a parent of an adult child, maybe you've asked this question, I'm sure you have. You might still be asking this question. And if you're the parent of, of young children, God knows this is a real conversation in, in our homes. So here's the deal. I always give the same answer. If we want our kids, the next generation, those who look up to us, if we want them to invest in their spiritual life, we have to invest in our own spiritual life in front of them. Right? Our faith must become such an obvious priority in our own life that it's like, it's like stamped on our forehead, written on our hands, scattered throughout our house. It's got to be something that we talk about with our kids, think about with our kids, read books about with our kids, and, and you don't have to have gone to seminary either. Right? You don't have to have all the answers to explain to your kids why something really matters to you. You don't have to know the theological terminology to tell your kids the story of your own spiritual journey. Correct answers? Right. Correct answers? They're not going to captivate and inspire them. But, but watching you courageously journey towards a more integrated sense of self? Well, they'll take notice of that. Listen, Israel, our God is the Lord, only the Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your being, and all your strength. These words that I'm commanding you today must always be on your minds. Recite them to your children. Talk about them when you're sitting around your house, when you're out and about, when you're lying down, when you're getting up. All right, try following me on this extended analogy. Now, if you want your kids to get into golf... Right, if you want, you can substitute golf for pretty much anything else you'd want your kids to get into. But if you want to get your kids into golf, you could sit down and watch golf tournaments with them. You could show them how you wash and care for your clubs. While traveling, you could check out famous courses and attractions, always telling them how much golf has enriched your life. Man, and if you really want to close the deal, create intergenerational golf outings, attach traditions to it, trophies even, so that they can see other adults in their life enjoying the sport and all it has to offer. Now, on the other hand, if you want your children to become horribly disinterested in golf, you could try bringing them to weekly golf events, but then... Just as the event begins, you could try sending them to a classroom to be taught the fundamentals of golf for the next 12 years. <laughs> then, then when they have questions about golf, you could tell them that they should save their questions for, for their professional golf instructor. And the truth is, that's probably enough all on its own, but if you really want them to become disenchanted with the game of golf... Make sure they can hear you regularly complaining about golf, gossiping about other golfers, all the while forcing them to attend yet another golf event that clearly you don't want to be at yourself. Now clearly I'm being a little cheeky, but, but while kids might not understand everything, they hear and see everything. 
They can tell whether something's an obligatory part of their family's culture or whether it's an integrated and life-giving part of their family's heart, soul, and being. If your spiritual journey is helping you become a more grounded, steady, welcoming, open-minded, gracious, and loving person, your kids and grandkids, all of those who look up to you, well, they're going to see it. And they're going to want to get some of whatever it is you've been doing. On the flip side, if a life of religious commitments has culminated in a bitter, judgmental, and hypocritical existence, no one... No one is going to want to drink what you've been drinking. Listen, Israel, our God is the Lord, only the Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your being, and all your strength. These words I'm commanding you today must always be on your minds. Recite them to your children. Talk about them when you're sitting around your house, when you're out and about, when you're lying down, and when you're getting up. Tie them. Tie them on your hand as a sign. Man, they should be on your forehead as a symbol. Write them on your house's door frames and even on your city's gates. Hear this loud and clear. Of course, there is a place for weekly worship services, Sunday school classes, vacation Bible school, youth groups, all of that stuff. Not only is there a place for them, but they are hugely important. However, they simply supplement what's happening at home. They're not the end in themselves. They're simply an additional place where love of God is supposed to be normative. And so, Moses starts his farewell speech by calling the next generation to learn from their parents' mistakes. He calls them to integrate their love of God into their very being to plant reminders of their spiritual identity throughout their homes, and ultimately, to talk about it with their kids. Like a lot. Like around the house, like when they're out and about, like when they're lying down and when they're getting up. For the promised land to become all that it's promised to be, Moses begs them to become integrated people of God, not side hustlers of, of spirituality. Might sound complex. Might even, might even be overwhelming. But the truth is, it's, it's remarkably simple. We all know how to do this. Friends, we simply need to make love of God, spiritual journeying, our faith as normative and obvious and public as our many other household allegiances. Integrate it. Set up reminders of it. Talk about it. Listen, Israel, our, our God is the Lord, only the Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your being, all your strength. These words I'm commanding you today must always be on your minds. Recite them to your children. Talk about them when you're sitting around your house, when you're out and about, when you're lying down, when you're getting up. Tie them on, a, on your hand as a sign. They should be on your forehead as a symbol. Write them. Write them on your house's door frames and, and on your city's gates. Amen.